Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than Jackson White, co-founder and editor and chief of Politiscope, TYT Rebel HQ creator. Should be a great analysis and breakdown. Top story of the day, the Department of Defense, Pentagon officials also have now been caught up in this erasing of text messages surrounding the January 6th insurrection against the United States government. So let's count the ways before I get into the background of this story. We now have Secret Service erasing text messages and a massive cover up even supported by top leadership from their division. In addition to that, we now have information, evidence that the Pentagon itself, top officials at the Pentagon engaged in the same text deletion protocol. Why? As I said before, ladies and gentlemen, I no longer believe this is about protecting a former president of the United States. I think Secret Service deleted text messages to protect Secret Service. And I believe the Pentagon deleted text messages to protect the Pentagon. The question has to now be raised. Were there members of the federal government inside of the Secret Service Agency, inside of the Pentagon, who may have been in fact complicit with the takeover of democracy? They may have been apologists for the actions of then President Donald Trump. Why are they deleting text messages knowing that it is not only protocol, but mandate to archive these messages. Let me give you some background here. Top department officials from the Department of Defense and Army officials had their phones wiped by the Defense Department at the end of the Trump administration, potentially deleting evidence related to the January 6th Capitol attack, according to a report by CNN. Now, let me highlight this reality. When they say these officials, these are high ranking officials. When it says they had their phones wiped, please understand this is not like me or you doing a master reset on our phones. This was done through a system, through a protocol and by way of order or mandate. Somebody mandated these individuals to temporarily turn over their phones. So there could be a massive and expanded deletion of these texts. That's what happened, they deleted them, not individually, but it was done by way of some protocol, which likely means a contractor was involved somewhere. I'm going somewhere with this, I want you to follow me. You do not pull this kind of massive deletion protocol off without there being involved somebody external of the United States government. Now here's the question, the January 6th committee, they are fully authorized by way of the constitution to actually put people under subpoena and compel them to testify. Why are they not placing secret service under subpoena, under oath, compelling them to provide testimony? Now I do suspect that many of them are going to in fact plead the fifth, which means their statements could be utilized against them in a criminal proceeding. That is their constitutional right. The government cannot compel you to basically testify against yourself. So they have the right of due process. And with that right of due process comes the right to invoke 
the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination. That's what I believe would happen likely. But somebody gave this order, ladies and gentlemen. Now we have multi-jurisdictional dynamics here. So not just one person gave the order, multiple commanders gave this order. A commander at Secret Service gave this order, maybe from the Department of Homeland Security. Another commander somewhere in the Department of Defense at the Pentagon gave this order to have these cell phones wiped. We got more. The acknowledgement that the phones from the Pentagon officials had been wiped was the first was first revealed in a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit American Oversight brought against the Defense Department and the United States Army. The watchdog group is seeking January 6 records from former Acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller, from Chief of Staff Cash Patel and former Secretary of the Army Ryan McCarthy, among other prominent Pentagon officials. Having filed initial FOIA request just a few days after the Capitol attack. Now I wanna say this to the watchdog group who's doing an amazing work here by exposing some of this information. The information January 6th and beyond is important. But if this is what I think it is, if these text messages were deleted based on some level of coordination or conspiracy with the Trump agenda during that time, I need you to now look at text messages that predate January 6th in preparation for what happened at that United States Capitol. There's more. Alyssa Farah Griffin, who previously served as the deputy assistant to the Secretary of Defense for Media Affairs and the press secretary for the Department of Defense, tweeted, and I quote, This is nuts. When I was at DOD, everything on my government phone and laptop was required, mandated to be archived. The idea that we just wipe federal records when a presidential transition takes place is an affront to government transparency. This was an individual at executive level leadership in charge of communications with the Department of Defense saying that what they are now telling us as the general public is bull. It is nuts in home words. There's more, CNN noted that Miller and Patel and McCarthy all have been viewed as crucial witnesses for understanding government's response to the January 6th Capitol assault and former President Donald Trump's reaction to the breach. So literally you have people who are persons of interest. They have special knowledge. They are privy to certain information. These individuals are now involved in some kind of cover up. You see, cover up indicates a significant amount of smoke. And where there is smoke, ladies and gentlemen, there is a fire. The messages could be important in the House of Representatives and Justice Department investigations into whether Trump and his close advisors encouraged the deadly insurrection by the former president's supporters, which aimed to prevent the certification of his Democratic rival Joe Biden as the winner of the November 2020 election. Conservative commentator Amanda Carpenter remarked, so for those following, we have Secret Service agents text disappear, along with those belonging to top Department of Defense and Army officials, who 
is going to go on record as to exactly whose records were wiped, when and how. As I have maintained, this is much more diabolical than simply protecting an ex-president of the United States of America. This is unheard of, undocumented, unprecedented cover up. What are they hiding? What are they trying to keep hidden from you and me? Why are they concerned about what they decided to text message to each other? All right, okay, uh, Jackson, as I've said, dear brother, I no longer believe this is only about protecting Donald Trump. I think this is about protecting those agencies as well. And the question is, what in the hell did they text each other that would be so damning that even going through a classification process, because they could still classify these text messages and they'll never be revealed. They obviously don't believe that these text messages would meet that level of restriction. And so they have deleted these text messages. Why do you think this is happening? Well, again, I think that um, as you were pointing out, um, I think that they were definitely prepared to take advantage of different types of you know turns of events had certain things happened. And they didn't want to show it, obviously. We don't know exactly what those were, but like you pointed out, they must have been so bad or so distasteful um, or so unattractive that they would just really rather wipe them out. Because I want to go even further, uh, you know, as to the agent who said that it, it's nuts to see messages being deleted. Because the reality is, is that the Pentagon is basically the most well-funded organization on the planet. They know what's happening everywhere on on earth basically at all times. They're so well-funded that, you know, when they get audited, they just oh, well there's a trillion dollars missing, don't know what happened with it, don't know what we did with it, but you know, they're that well-funded that they just lose a trillion dollars and nothing happens. So obviously whatever they deleted, you know, this was this would not happen unless it was absolutely purposeful. But it's just completely unacceptable on all fronts. Um, and the fact that they're even getting caught, y'all got all these resources and you got caught. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. couldn't y'all have just met up like in a basement somewhere and talked about stuff? I mean, I don't know, but it, this is just, you know, again, it's unacceptable. Yeah, and I want to remind everyone that they can actually hide text messages legally. It's called the classification process. They can get certain communications classified as top secret, they can also get it classified as in relation to national security. And those text messages will never see, see the light of day. They deleted messages that they knew would not come under that restriction because it was not in furtherance of national security. All right, we're gonna continue to follow that story. Okay, very sad, an 11 year old was tackled by cops, bloodied, harassed, made to sign, forced to sign a no trespass order and did absolutely nothing illegal. Uh, let's put up the picture of the mother here, her name is Cynthia. And I'm gonna give you the background to the story. A mom is now demanding answers after her 11 year old was chased, tackled and bloodied by California State Fair officers during the fair's kids day. It was during kids day at the fair, Cynthia Martin, uh, spoke to reporters outside of the Cal Expo gates on Monday. Her son, his name is Elijah. Let's put up a picture of Elijah. Young Elijah was, as they say, horsing around with six friends. The horseplay 
led to fair police chasing down and injuring the 11 year old child before questioning him for more than 30 minutes. They then forced this child to sign a no trespass agreement without his parents present. Cynthia also stated that Elijah had documented injuries around his neck, hips and stomach area and area of his upper shoulders. He was bleeding from his nose, his shirt was completely covered in blood. The family, let's put up a picture. The family was accompanied by Tanya Faison and of Black Lives Matter, Sacramento on the left, and, and Greater Sacramento NAACP President Betty Williams, who's on the right. All right, Ms. Faison is calling for names of the officers, which has not been revealed yet, body camera information and other security video footage while Williams plans to meet with the fair executives, the leadership of the actual fair, okay? So Williams told reporters, and I quote, he's 11 years old, he's a child. What makes him different from any other 11 year old? I tell you, he's black, a black male. It doesn't matter your age when it comes to society and law enforcement. You are treated differently and he should never have been treated this way. There's a civil rights attorney on the case. Let's put up a picture of Mr. Mark Marin, all right? Civil rights attorney was also present. Marin has filed a tort claim. This is a precursor to a federal civil lawsuit against the California State Fair. According to Cynthia, the July 19th incident went like this. The group was jockeying to be first in line for a ride. That's common. The gate for the ride was closed as riders queued up. But Elijah leaped the gate to sit in the front seat of the ride ahead of his friends. The ride operator kicked him off and told him to leave the ride according to the families. Four page claim against a fair. All right, he did it, he left. He rejoined his friends and was walking with them toward the exit when he noticed they were being followed by police. So Elijah's friends did not look like him. Let me give you that context. You understand what I'm saying? Elijah's friends do not look like Elijah. So the officers only chased Elijah. The five foot three child was frightened and ran from the group. The officers chased him down and tackled him to the asphalt. He escaped the first tackle and sprinted toward the gate and his mother, but officers caught up to him. He was again tackled to the ground and then pushed into a gate as fair patrons looked on. Officers then carried the child away to a security trailer and refused to let his mother in. That is a no-no, this is a juvenile being detained. You cannot question that juvenile, you need a parent or lawyer present, all right? That's pretty common in all jurisdictions. They decided to violate that. State fair officials in a statement on Monday afternoon said they were disappointed by the 11.30 PM incident, saying that the 11 year old was unattended and demonstrated dangerous behavior that put himself and others at risk of severe physical harm. Specifically climbing over a safe defense and almost being hit by a roller coaster ride. So this is the spin. Let me remind everybody, these are children being children. These are kids at play. This was kids day at the fair. Kids are going to do things that are immature. The question is, why are we treating 11 year olds as if they are 31 or 41? Why are we treating a child as if he is a full grown adult? And, and if this was such a problem, why not allow the mother to come inside of that trailer, that security trailer, and a 
exit her son herself rather than the tactics they use, which was basically how you would interrogate an adult. There's more. Additionally, fair officials said vendors accused the child of attempting to steal items, according to fair police, and the child was briefly detained. A small cut was treated with a bandage, fair officials said, and then released to Martin after questioning. Once again, this is their version of the events and other vendors who have remained anonymous only speaking through the executive leadership of the fair. And the fair is saying, "Oh, we had reports of um, attempted theft. There's more. We believe the Cal Expo police followed all proper policies to quell the situation and keep the minor safe. Remember, the minor is bruised and bloodied. That's what the statement read. But Martin described a far different scene, telling reporters that she took her son to a local Kaiser Permanente medical center for further treatment. The incident is actually the latest in a long list of young black and brown kids being harassed at that same state fair. This is just the most recent, all right? Okay, Jackson thoughts on this. Yeah, so you know, it doesn't matter if you're a child, if you're black, you're a threat. You know, whether you're a threat right now to, you know, the safety of all those other kids on the ride or one day you're going to be a threat, it doesn't matter. But, you know, it's always sad to see instances like this where police officers could instead build rapport with the community, you know, because they obviously could have handled this situation in so many other ways, you know, even if they would have just said, like, hey, man, get out of here, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if they would have just, you know, handled it in such a way like that where they would have just kicked him out. Or just told them like, hey, you know, you can't run in front of everything. But they, you know, whatever the situation they justified, oh, he tried to steal this. Doesn't matter, he's an 11 year old kid, you know what I'm saying? Like tackling somebody and pushing their face on the ground is pretty excessive, even if you're just in a regular old street scuffle. You know what I'm saying? Like you really don't even try to hurt people that badly in situations like that. But uh, this is why people fear the police and don't feel comfortable around them. Because again, it don't matter if you're a kid, if you're black, then causing trouble in the eyes. Yeah, and it looks like the family does have witnesses supporting their point of view. The friends who were with the young 11 year old and some other patrons at the park. Going to be interesting to see how this case unfolds. Okay. Alex Jones on trial because he decided to defame people, all right? Well, this was his latest effort. Um, to, I guess, defend himself. So on Tuesday, InfoWars founder Alex Jones testified in his Sandy Hook defamation trial, in which the families of the victims are suing Jones over the lies he told about the shooting. All right, he, he said it was fake and it was uh, a not real incident and went on and on. All right, so the judge, Miss Gamble, told the court staff that she was sending the jurors home after prosecutors took issue with Jones lying on the stand. Okay, he couldn't help himself, all right? Separately, a federal judge on Tuesday denied President Donald Trump immunity. I'm gonna get into that as well. Uh, let me put up a picture of the judge here uh, for Alex Jones case, all right? This is Judge Maya Guerra Gamble, uh, who lambasted Jones for failing to tell the truth. Now, that, that's against the law, that's called Perjury, it's illegal. Uh, here's the footage. 
Mr. Jones, you may not say to this jury that you complied with discovery. That is not true. You may not say it again. You may not tell this jury that you are bankrupt. That is also not true. You may have filed for bankruptcy. I don't know that, but I've heard that. That doesn't put that doesn't make a person or a company bankrupt. You're already under oath to tell the truth. You've already violated that oath twice today in just those two examples. It seems absurd to instruct you again that you must tell the truth while you testify. Yet here I am. You must tell the truth while you testify. This is not your show. You need to slow down and not take what you see as opportunities to further the message you're wanting to further. And instead, only answer the specific and exact question you have been asked. Okay, I got more video. I actually watched some of this trial yesterday because I had a couple of minutes free time. And Alex Jones is a big ass baby, all right? He continued to look at the jury, playing up his bankruptcy, coughing at certain times. At one point, it looked like he was about to faint. And he's also, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm all right, I'll make it. I mean, it was, it was his show. He was doing his program in front of the jury. Now, the judge, even though she did say, you gotta stop lying, Alex. She could have held him in contempt to put his ass in jail. That could have happened, but it did not. So this is Alex Jones being caught committing perjury. Here it is. So you did get my text messages. And they said you didn't. Nice trick. <laughs> yes, Mr. Jones. Oh. Indeed. You didn't give this text message to me. You don't you don't know where this came from. Do you know where I got this? No. Mr. Jones, did you know that 12 days ago, 12 days ago, your attorneys messed up and sent me an entire digital copy of your entire cell phone with every text message you've sent for the past two years. And when informed, did not take any steps to identify it as privileged or protected in any way. And as of two days ago, it fell free and clear into my possession. And that is how I know you lied to me when you said you didn't have text messages about Sandy Hook. Did you know that? I See, I told you the truth. This is your Perry Mason moment. I gave them my phone. You said in your deposition, you searched your phone. You said you pulled down the text, did the search function for Sandy Hook. That's what you said, Mr. Jones, correct? And I had several several different phones with this number, but I did, yeah. Well, of course, I mean, that's why you got it. No, Mr. Jones, that's not why I have it. My lawyer sent it to you, but I'm hiding it, okay. Mr. Jones, in discovery, you were asked, do you have Sandy Hook text messages on your phone? And you said no, correct? said that under oath, Mr. Jones, didn't you? I mean, if I was mistaken, I was mistaken, but you, you got the messages right there. You know what perjury is, right? I just want to make sure you know before we go any further, you know what it is. 
Yes, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm not a tech guy. I told you I gave in my testimony the phone to the lawyers before whatever. And, and so you've got my phone, but we didn't give it to you. No, Mr. Jones. What had happened was when I had that other cell phone, you see, my provider was with T-Mobile last year. <laughs> Lock his ass up. He's not gonna stop, Judge, all right? You just being matlocked his ass and he is still lying, okay? And he's going to continue to lie because his entire program is based on a lie. He has come to work and lied so much every day. He doesn't know what the hell the truth is. He doesn't understand truth. Wakes up every day and he lies, that's what he does. His name is Alex Jones, okay? Now, here's what happened and it shows you how dysfunctional his own legal team is. Alex Jones legal team, they make a mistake and they share information with the prosecutor that the prosecutor should not have had. Now the rules of engagement, if I go back to my legal ethics class, the rules of engagement are this. You then have to inform the attorney, hey guy, I got some information here I wasn't supposed to have. Maybe this was privileged communication. I'm going to warn you that you gave it to me. And then the counsel has a certain amount of time to respond. Well, they didn't. They did not say, hey, don't use that as privilege, okay? They didn't do that. Once they did not do that within whatever the time frame is required, the prosecution then said, now we can use this information in the court of law. Quite interesting. It does make me question if the defense team is this negligent or do they also not like Alex Jones? All right, there's more. Uh, the judge took particular issue with Jones claim that he complied throughout the discovery process, but called out other lies as well. Mr. Jones, you may not say to this jury that you complied with this discovery. <laughs> That's another lie. This is not true. You may not say it again. The reason that Jones never got a decision from the jury in the case was that he refused to comply with the subpoena. In October, an Austin judge ordered a default judgment against Jones for defamation after he called the school shooting a hoax, leading Jones listeners to harass the victim's family. The Texas Tribune explained in the past year, Jones has lost all the defamation lawsuits filed by 10 families of Sandy Hook victims. There's more. Discovery isn't supposed to be a guessing game. Fairfield, Connecticut District Super uh, Superior Court Judge Barbara Bellis said, she explained that a default judgment is a kind of sanction of last resort. That doesn't fall under a juror's decision. The court held off on scheduling the sanctions hearing in the hopes that many of these problems will be corrected and that the Jones defendants would ultimately comply with their discovery obligations. So while testifying before the jury on Tuesday, Jones told them that he cooperated with all of the discovery, which the courts all found to be completely 100% untrue. Why is Alex Jones not locked up under a judicial order for lying, committed perjury inside of the courtroom? I don't know. They keep talking to him and treating him like a baby. He's a grown ass man. He keeps lying inside of your courtroom. There is no such thing as a real infraction if there is no enforcement. There has to be enforcement at some point here, Judge. He's going to keep lying. 
All right, um, Judge Gamble called out Jones effort to lie on the stand. Uh, and also let's go to US District Judge Amit Mehta. I like this guy. He's the judge that has now shut down. He's the federal judge that shut down former Donald Trump's attempt to claim immunity from a lawsuit stemming from January 6th. I bring this up because Alex at one time was a strong Trump ally, probably helped him secure the election. So now you have Alex Jones, he's in trouble with the court. You have Donald Trump, he's in trouble with the court. Keep in mind, Trump will be a defendant until the day he dies. At some level, he will always be a defendant, either criminal or civil, all right? The lawsuit brought on behalf of the US Capitol Police officers seek to hold Trump liable for emotional and physical injuries they sustained when a pro-Trump mob stormed the Capitol and disrupted the electoral vote count. So this judge has done something quite remarkable because typically a president's action is under a level of immunity given the execution of their office, okay? This judge has said, what you did Mr. Trump at that rally when you animated violence against the United States government, that was not in execution of your office. Thus, it does not fall under the immunity clause of presidential duties. They are now free to sue you. This will take years, it will take years. That's why Trump is raising all the money he can and spending it on no other Republican in this country. All right, Jackson, thoughts? Yeah, so it always amazes me how people like Alex Jones, first and foremost, the first time I was introduced to him, he had on like a lizard or horse mask <laughs> right. or something. And and everything since then was just as wild. And it did, you know, just we all know Alex Jones. But despite all that, he managed to build a fortune worth tens of millions of dollars. And had, you know, he could have stayed in the reptile world. He could have stayed in the aliens or teaming up with Satan to do X, Y, and Z with the spirits, but he had to go into actually messing with families and victims of Sandy Hook. He had to actually, you know, get people harassed, actually get into the real world and cause unnecessary issues. So it's like, you know, the, 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 these people find themselves in these situations where their whole worlds are collapsing around them. And it's like all for what, you know, all, all for what, yeah, to, yeah. To, yeah. So it's just, I, I mean, no one feels sorry for him, but it's just really crazy to see. Like all you had to do was not harass real people. That's it. That's all he had to do. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be interesting because I guarantee you he's going to keep lying. At some point, he has to be held in contempt of court for his perjury. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. What's happening, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read a few of these comments, I'm kind of pressed for time. Pentagon officials, all right, TOT member Conrad Williams says, sounds like the orders came down from the top, ultimately from the White House. This investigation is like peeling an onion, that's right. And there's more, I guarantee you there's so much more to this. K Dragon battling for truth and justice says, good Lord, 11 years old and gets tackled by full grown cops and beaten. It just keeps happening, that's right. All right, next TYT report says is if Alex Jones is anything like Donald Trump to his lawyers, they did it on purpose. <laughs> they did it on purpose. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Alex Jones, you see, what it happened was he, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and other right wingers need lessons in lying. They can't even lie right. And they really don't. Their lies are never convincing, right? I mean, the most convincing liar I have ever seen. Actually, Bill Clinton, 
If Bill Clinton lied, damn it, it was hard to tell, okay? But he lied, he lied a lot. All right, I got something for everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel French, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I'm sorry, but you're not a lawyer. Yes, I am. Are you a Muslim? Because you are, are you a Muslim? Am I? I don't wear a mask. I don't. Are you Muslim? I don't need to tell are you, you what I am. You know what? It's against the law for me to tell you what I am, young man. But God bless you. I will sue Einstein, and I will sue this lady personally if she does not wait on me. Because Sir, I know my rights. The if you fail to leave upon their request, that? you'll be arrested for trespassing. You, no, I'm not trespassing. No, I'm not. Come in. Whoa, whoa! You, no, you can't do that. Let go of me. Take your hand off of me. You, know this? you see this? This is illegal. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm not under arrest. No one arrested me. No one said I was under arrest for what? In the name of Jesus. All right. This is actually a semi throwback, Karen. But I have an update to the story and I have some info to what happened to this particular Karen. Now, this was during the mask mandate protocol in that jurisdiction. They're actually in Florida, okay? And the bagel shop said, hey, if you wanna come here, you gotta wear a mask. That's our mandate right now. She says that was a violation of her rights. She was informed, she needed to leave, she did not. She was arrested for trespass and a few other things. Let's put up the pictures here, full graphic. That is an interesting picture, okay. All right, this happened in Florida. Woman was arrested after she refused to leave an Einstein Brothers Bagels because she was not wearing a mask, proclaiming that it was her constitutional right to not wear one, according to the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. Her name is Cindy, Cindy DiCarado, 61 years of age, faces charges of trespassing and resisting arrest without violence, according to a probable cause affidavit. This young lady entered the bagel shop at Glades Road and US Highway 441 near Boca Raton and was causing a disturbance because she was asked to wear a mask and refused to leave the store by several requests, all right? They eventually got her in a mask, here it is, boom. When she was in jail and had to go to jail court. I see you wearing that mask now, Cindy. <laughs> I don't see you telling them this is a violation of your constitution. Let me stop. Cindy's going through enough. All right, Jackson, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, she looked like she does absolutely everything with a glass of bitter red wine in her <laughs> left hand. Like she just, oh, I'm thirsty. I really could go for a glass of vodka right now. No, but People like this really kill me because it's like they just go in public and just say things like, I'm a lawyer, uh, my, my dad's the police chief, so I can just do whatever I want right now with uh, no repercussions. Yeah, that's right. Like, uh, no. And then and then when these types of things happen, they, they can't go down peacefully because they've already made a statement. So they got to go down swinging. So she brought Jesus into it. And then she just flat out denied the situation with, you know, while her hands were cuffed. She was like, I'm not getting arrested. Like, no, you are getting arrested. And like yeah. you pointed out, she finally had that mask on and you know, probably didn't have a glass of wine in several days. So she right, was thinking exactly. clearly. 
Yeah, <laughs> and I, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here. I, I think she was lying when she said she's an attorney. Probably Just going so. out on a limb. Probably. Okay, that's something <laughs> for you. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel great. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Excuse me, this is a private driveway. Oh, sorry. Do you want me to move it right now? Yes. I don't. You need to film me. Do you have to have my permission to film? No, I don't. Right. No, I'm private property, so I can film what I like. You dirty slag. Do you know what that means? Yeah, yeah you. you. But you're the one on YouTube. You. You're the one on YouTube. Yes, I do. Yeah, you go to the police. I just apologise to you. I'm me then. I don't know what you need to You spat in my face. Take a good look at that face, everybody. This is the face of St Mary's Primary School. You spat in my face. You spat in my face, you dirty cow. Touch your face. Okay, listen, the guy was kind of rude, but he was facing off with a carrot. All right, let's put the picture up full mass here. Uh, see there? That is prime mid spit point of Karenicity. Okay? All right. Uh, I just find it fascinating <laughs> when um, when we get these UK Karens and these <laughs> uh, and these uh, back and forth. Uh, it's interesting because, man, their accent makes it even more interesting. Is that just me? All right, obviously, no matter what the argument is, no matter what the disagreement may be, starting to spit on somebody is not reasonable. It is an extreme and violent response. It is considered criminal assault. All right, Jackson thoughts here. Yeah, nobody can curse and insult people like the British man. Like just the way they say things and they the words they use are like, oh, just oh, just. But yeah, no, I mean she spat on the guy, but she had to make the the correction. No, I spat on the top of your head, not your face. <laughs> right. No, don't don't go telling that. You know what I'm saying? Like she had to make the correction. But uh, you know, all with the little baby in her hand. You know what a what a great example. So and then did you see him? He was he was looking as she was pulling off. They both were, he was like looking out the side of the right, window right. like that. Like, oh man, but yeah, definitely yeah, unnecessary. Right. And it's an unfortunate lesson that continues to permeate through generation to generation because naturally you have a baby there, that child is going to start picking up on these Karenicity habits. That's how learning works. It starts by way of mimicry first. All right. So it's a bad example, but interesting dynamic back and forth. Uh, utilizing saliva to solve a problem is not appropriate. Okay, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let's go to Craig Grace and Flay. Well, what, what do you, what do your, no, 
A leopard, what do you know, a leopard can change its spots, yep, directly into a jail cell. And if she was an attorney, sure as hell wouldn't be caught dead in that outfit. <laughs> right, okay. Um, Candace the Leo uh, talking about the bagel Karen. They always use the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, Corpzilla, uh, she not a lawyer doc, she's obviously a constitutional scholar. She was mad cause she couldn't get her micro constitution where their hands were cuffed. There you go. All right. Sad, sad story. Kind of. Rudy Giuliani broke walking around these streets, writing checks that are made of rubber. They're bouncing. And his wife wants him to go to jail because he owes her money too. Let me give you the background to this. Let's put up Rudy Giuliani and his ex-wife, okay? He is being threatened with contempt of court and possible arrest because his ex-wife says he's been holding out on her, okay? According to the documents filed, Judith and Rudy Giuliani are at the center of a New York Supreme Court case. Judith and her lawyers claim Rudy is in contempt of court for allegedly withholding $262,000. Although only a judge can hold one in contempt of court, Judith claims Rudy owes her this money as part of the terms of their divorce settlement. Judith filed for divorce April 2018 after being married to Giuliani for 15 years. Now I'm going to say this, um, I think the woman deserves millions. She was married to Rudy Giuliani for 15 damn years, okay? All right, so now Rudy is not paying. So what does the $262,000 cover? All right, glad you asked. A Palm Beach condo, Judith says Giuliani owes $140,000 for their luxury condo, which she is trying to sell. According to court documents, Judith says that Giuliani is required to pay me $200,000 regardless of whether or not the property has been sold. So far, he's allegedly kicked in just $60,000, okay? Also, the county club dues, something else he owes. Judith says Giuliani has not paid his share of the annual membership dues, leaving her to pay his half in the meantime. I had no choice but to pay his share of the dues in order to remain in good standing with the club, she states, and she would like to be compensated. Now, I know, I know, real first world problems here, okay? But because it could possibly land Giuliani in jail. Damn it, I need this woman to go all the way, right? Okay, um, also Judith says he owes for uh, the help. As they describe it, Judith is owed $5,000 a month for help. That's how they describe it in the suit under the terms of the divorce, like an assistant or a housekeeper. However, she claims that since last summer, he has only paid her inconsistently, including a $10,000 check that was returned for insufficient funds. Court documents reportedly state that Giuliani owes $45,000 for personnel needs. All right, Judith also says she knows he has the money. She knows he has the money based on the fact that he owns properties in New York City and Palm Beach. And it appears that he has significant earnings from his media related contracts and deals. She wants the money now, immediately and with interest. Warning, your failure to appear in court may result in immediate arrest or imprisonment for contempt of court. Boom. 
There it is. Now, I think Giuliani's broke. All right, that's just my personal belief. I think he's making some money, but I think he owes so much, especially with legal fees and everything else. I don't know if this guy really has uh, the change, all right? But I could be wrong. He could be just hiding money and playing broke and bouncing checks around the country. Rudy has three failed marriages, all right? Uh, first of which was his second, uh, Regina, okay? Rudy married Regina in October 1968. Regina was the daughter of who? His father's first cousin. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Giuliani married his cousin. Yes, he married his cousin. Their marriage was annulled in 1982 because that's when he claims he realized it was his cousin. Okay, let's not forget when a lost video surfaced of Giuliani dressed in drag during his tenure as mayor, even though his cronies do not support um, you know, drag. Interesting. He also performed a skit with Donald Trump for a charity dinner where Trump called Giuliani's character really beautiful. And even basically allowed Giuliani to motorboat him. But they are anti drag shows. They performed in one. Okay. All right, Jackson, a whole lot going on here, dear brother. What are your thoughts here? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the reality is, is that Rudy really doesn't have a lot of uh, fluid currency to, to, to you know, give about. Because if he did, then that 262,000 at this point in his life shouldn't be that much. But uh, you know, it's really just watching Rudy, because you know, Rudy's been doing this thing since I was born in 1992, so he was already doing this thing. And you know, Rudy Giuliani is essentially why the mob isn't what it was. Yeah. And, and, and he he just to say he's done significant things in his career for the good or for the bad. He's that he's made a stamp. And I guess he just was running around in those circles of power for so long and he just got away with things for so long and just fried his brain because he's just like from where he was to where he is now, it's you know, night and day or maybe it's what he's what he deserves. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. And some. And some, brother. Yep. Okay. Interesting story. A black employee gets a memo saying, hey, we're going to have this company retreat on a plantation. And we need everyone to dress based on the era. So he shows up as a slave because he's their black employee and that is what the era would have dictated he be. This is an interesting story. Okay, this actually happened back in November of 2015. Let's put up the picture full mass here. November 2015, a black man was told to attend a corporate event in a period appropriate clothing attire on an Alabama plantation. He was the only black employee and the all white staff showed up with their ball gowns or as Confederate officers. Once again, showed a picture, he showed up dressed just like this, all right? So he dressed up as a slave to show how disgusting 
it was to romanticize the Southern culture and the period of slavery in that manner. The black employee took to Reddit to tell his saga under the username Bisfitty. Okay, on the left, caption per Bisfitty, wife and I are attending a period appropriate to work Halloween costume party, an old plantation in Alabama. They aren't, there aren't many options for someone like me. All right, on the right, best fitted joke that this photo of cotton picking, wife and I are making terrible time to the work conference, mainly due to the fact that my instincts keep kicking in. Okay. Caption for this photo We have arrived ahead of everyone, despite my instincts. I will be staying here in the big house. He's showing how ridiculous it is that the company forced him to do this. There's another one says, morning y'all, I done got the breakfast for you, okay? He's basically an anti-Karen with the whole company, all right? There's more, update, look y'all, I got a new job. And then my entrance to the party, Sam Reeves, do not enter staff only. One of the women decided she wanted to model her dress now left as a result. Uh, I have finally been seen. This was her face seconds before I stepped out from and around the corner. <laughs> I mean, he's trolling the whole company. You gotta love it, there's more. And here she is seconds later, once I have revealed my costume. Woman in dress, Oh my God, Biss, you, did you see what Biss is wearing? Oh my God, I can't even, silence. When asked what the general attitude was after he revealed his costume, Biss Fitty said, the climate definitely got stiff and awkward for the rest of the retreat. I was clearly avoided on more than one occasion, apparently an off color person with matching humor was a bit much for them, LOL. He concluded by saying this, in the end, in the end, the boss canceled the party. And the CEO who was supposed to be at the party later never showed up. The reason they gave for canceling the party was inclement weather. And while it did rain, and the party was supposed to be outside. The location had more than enough space inside for there to be some sort of contingency plan. It's also a bit odd that the CEO counseled, as far as I know, he is not allergic to rain. My thoughts, I think the climate was just a bit mm, dark for him. Wow, okay, uh, this story resurfaced on the internet recently after uh, this photo of Bisfitty was, um, and one of the female employees was shared on LinkedIn. And so there's this picture and then the background of why this even happened. Um, he educated millions about corporate racism, systemic bias, hyper racism, as well as implicit racism, educated a lot of people, okay? Uh, and according to the narrative, he also got a promotion and a raise after he was made to be a slave at the plantation. Jackson, I like the style of this fellow. He took it as an opportunity <laughs> to educate 
while keeping it lighthearted, definitely made people uncomfortable. And that is true education. I think sometimes we do not uphold the great dynamic of being uncomfortable. Because when people are uncomfortable, typically something changes. I agree. I think he trolled them to perfection while also making a great point. Um, you know, far too often in this country, being white is synonymous with being ignorant. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, because again, like, well, what what did you think what that meant? Like, coming, uh, you know, era appropriate attire. You know, because back then, black people were doing so well. I, I, you know, I don't know what exactly they were thinking, but again, oftentimes they're not thinking about these types of things. So uh, the best part is that, well, I don't know about the best part, but one of the best parts is that he got a raise uh, and a promotion. And two, that people are just paying attention to this story at all. I mean, yeah. he, he came in there with no shoes and everything. <laughs> right. He did it up. <laughs> yeah, and once again, this is why diversity is important. This is why it's imperative to have a SWOT analysis of your company that includes the dynamic of social and racial responsibility. Because if this happened in current era, whatever company was behind it would have a severe, a severe penalty in the court of public opinion, all right? So you have to include social racial dynamics when analyzing the strength and weaknesses of a company. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. What's happening? Welcome back, we still got a lot of show left. Let me read a few of these comments. Okay, just be anti-racist says, ain't nobody got enough money to make me or anyone else marry Rudy Giuliani, let alone stay married to him for 15 damn years. Yeah, all right, Um, C. Michael Henson, thank you C. Michael. I would have shown up to this retreat dressed up as Django the bounty hunter. (laughs) That would have been dope too actually, all right. Okay, a detective. As a matter of fact, detective of the year busted for texting a 14 year old child. Well, it was a decoy, part of an undercover operation. He gets busted, penalty not severe enough. Let's put up his picture full mass here, okay? You're looking at detective of the year and also a guy who likes children, Santa Ana police officer, who three years ago was named detective of the year was charged Tuesday with sending sexually graphic messages messages to the decoy who pretended to be a 14 year old girl. That's according to authorities. Gregory Daniel Bamarcus, 43, has been charged with one misdemeanor of annoying or molesting a victim believed to be under 18. This cop who surrendered to authorities Tuesday has been on administrative leave since being identified as a suspect in the sexting investigation, okay? So you got Detective Daniel here. And Detective Daniel is actually a guy who responds to high crimes in this region, Santa Ana. But at the same time is involved in a crime of trying to solicit a relationship a sexual encounter with a child. There's more to this story. Detective Daniel, Gregory Daniel, a Santa Ana police officer since 2011, was named the department's detective of the year back in 2019 and helped 
form its major enforcement team to suppress major crimes a year later. They do consider child molestation to be a major crime. All right, there's more. Police officers are entrusted with the sacred responsibility to safeguard society from harm. That's what the Orange County DA said, Todd Spitzer. It is beyond disturbing that a sworn police officer would engage in inappropriate conversations with someone he believed to be a child. Our children should not have to worry about being preyed upon by the very people we teach them who are there to protect them. The vast majority of police officers are the trusted authority figures we expect them to be. And when an officer engages in criminal behavior, it tarnishes the badge of all of our hard working law enforcement officers. Now, let me remind everyone watching, we have covered multiple stories on indisputable of police officers who are in fact engaged in inappropriate sexual relationships or attempting to engage in these relationships with minors, okay? What we typically see is that corruption is not simply linear. Meaning when there's one level of corruption, there's always another one. And this seems to be directly associated with the culture at some level. Too many cops are being caught up in this kind of scheme and being placed under investigation by their own. There's more. Orange County investigators working with Homeland Security tracked down the detective after the decoy contacted OC Crime Stoppers to inform them of the messages that were being sent from someone claiming to be a 45 year old police officer. You have a detective telling the person that he's engaged in an illegal conversation with that he's in fact a detective. There's more, high crimes investigators documented this cop sending graphic messages to the civilian decoy between December 2021 and January 2022. Even after access to his social media platform was cut off by the provider. What did the cop do? The cop decided to create another account under a similar social media handle according to prosecutors. So he gets shut down on his own uh, social media account. And instead of heeding to this and saying, well, you know what? Well, maybe somebody trying to tell me something, okay? What does he do? Big bad Mr. Investigative of the Year, Detective of the Year. Uh, he says, I'm going to make another account with the same information on it and continue to engage in this monstrous predatory criminal activity. Why? Because he feels protected. Why was somebody operating in this matter? Because they feel untouchable. Why would he feel untouchable? Because he's the police. Typically they are untouchable. Typically this does not happen to them. If convicted, this cop will be required to register as a sex offender. Will face up to a year in the Orange County Jail. That's it, why? Because they decided to charge him with the misdemeanor statute rather than the felony one. Once again, he's getting a break. Today's filing of criminal charges showing sexual interest in children shows no one is above the law when it comes to keeping communities free from predators, said the acting special agent in charge. Oh, Okay, so that's why you are charged with a misdemeanor offense. You, you literally have a felony statute that you could have charged him with. You didn't even charge him with violation of oath of office. As I have said before, when you do not see the violation of oath of office congruent to the other charges, the fix is already in. Okay, 
So they decide not to charge him with the felony statute. There is no violation of oath here. They charge him with the misdemeanor statute of the crime, which is only punishable by up to one year in prison, which means this person will serve no jail time. Getting privileges and benefits because he wears a uniform. The cop should be held to a higher standard of responsibility and not a lower one. But routinely we see this happening time and time again. Jackson thoughts on this. Yeah, so you know, obviously a year in jail is absolutely not enough to even curb his diet for children, basically. I mean, you know, it's always so sick and crazy to see uh, you know, men who truly go after this because you can date young women who are very legal. But no, this is a sickness that this man is truly attracted to children. And they're only giving him one year, as you pointed out, because he's a police officer. Not only that, detective of the year. And that's why he was able to do this, because he was able to hide behind his accolades and his position. But I mean, you know, you see stuff like this, and, you know, because they know if they gave, if they threw the book at him, what would likely happen to him in a prison setting. So unfortunately, with just a year's time, he'll likely get out and continue this type of behavior. Yeah, and we're gonna follow the story, uh, but I don't think he's even going to get a year. I don't think yeah. he's gonna get any actual jail time. And it's unfortunate because it highlights the rape culture in America, where we give a wink and a nod to those who are involved in this kind of predatory sexual behavior, even those against minors. Very sad story, a black male is beaten to death by a white male. People are watching while it happens, it's graphic, here's the video. This is so sad, that man was literally killed in front of everybody. Let's put up the graphic full mass. Filippo Verlazzo attacked Mr. Alika Ogorchukwa. Verlazzo is the attacker in the video, has now been charged with homicide and robbery. While his attorney is claiming he has a bipolar disorder. But experts that have reviewed this case have disputed the diagnosis and the proclamation from this attorney. Let's put up a picture of the victim who by the way is a disabled Nigerian man. All of this happened in Italy. This black male who was killed, this dear brother, who had his life exterminated, used a crutch to get around, okay? Let me give you background on the attack. Authorities said the Nigerian man 
tried to sell some of his items to Forlazo and his girlfriend. And when they declined, he asked for change. The New York Times reports that Ogort Chukwa walked away, but investigator Matteo Lachoni told Sky TG24 that the assailant lashed out after the vendor made an insistent request. He said the witnesses called the police and rendered aid to the man after the attacker fled. Authorities tried to track down the attacker through street surveillance cameras. What's the real motive behind this attack? Okay, let me give you the real motive. Daniel Amanza, okay, who runs the advocacy group for immigrants, told the Associated Press that the Nigerian man told the attacker's girlfriend that she was beautiful. He gave a compliment to a woman. This compliment killed him, Amaza said. Perlazo also took the victim's cell phone. The incident has spurred outrage from political leaders and citizens throughout Italy. But investigators have stopped short of calling it a racially motivated crime. So what do we have here? We have a black male in Italy who gave a compliment to a woman and then got killed because of that compliment. You think that's not racially motivated? You don't think race has something to do with it? You don't think race was the reason for this attack and death? So the Italian authorities are trying to massage this whole ordeal. Thankfully, there are advocacy groups giving us the real 411 as to what happened. Very sad, but very telling about the global dynamic of racism on this planet. Jackson, thoughts on this case? So it's always guys like this, and we've all known guys like this, these fake macho alpha guys who always seem to get violent with people they know can't hurt them. I mean, this yeah. guy was on a crutch, this guy was homeless, he clearly wasn't in any type of threatening position. Yet he, you know, was so triggered and his ego was so hurt that he had to literally beat him to death. So it's just really unfortunate to see when things like this actually end up and people losing their lives, you know, because again, if this if this man was, you know, a foot taller, you know, if he was in good shape, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have lashed out at him in the same way. Right. You know, yeah. so that that's always what's always so unfortunate about stuff like this. But uh, hopefully they throw the book at him because uh, yeah. he just murdered a man in broad daylight. And let me say this, and I know significant disagreement um, to this statement is out there. The people that watched it, they should be charged to. The people that actually watched a man die at the hands of another man and did absolutely nothing. You just watched it, you observed it like it's sport. I know legally, nobody will be held accountable for their observation of this death. But what have we de-evolved into as a society when things like that do not make us uncomfortable enough to act, all right? Okay, we're gonna follow this story, see if justice is served, see if the charges match the crime, and if the prosecution is zealous against this killer. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple 
of comments, gotta be very quick. Uh, Tony G says, there are so many sick cops and the good cops saying nothing to see here. Right, exactly. Horrific, a Chinese man was arrested for child trafficking, okay? After a BBC documentary accused him of exploiting children for social media notoriety and financial gain. Let me show you this video, here it is. Yes, you heard that correctly. The kids are saying in Chinese, I'm a black monster, my IQ is low. This video was released in February 2020 on a Chinese social media account called, get this, Jokes About Black People Club. Within days, it had more than 4,000 likes and a ton of comments. Some people were laughing. Others were outraged. The word they're using is Hegwe, which could be translated as black monster or black devil. But really, it's the Chinese equivalent of the N-word. In this one, for example, the producer gets the kids to promise they'll always stay in Africa. In this one, a patriotic song about the glory of China. They're made to sing, yellow skin and dark eyes are the most beautiful. In quite a few of them, we see girls dancing in obviously sexualized ways. Teenagers, and sometimes even younger kids. Put up the picture, this sick SOB. Okay, we got some work to do. BBC reporters discovered that Luke Key, L-U-K-E, was filming children as young as six years of age. Making video greetings, mocking and calling themselves basically the N-word. Lou would pay the children about 50 cents a day. And if they did not listen to him, he would pinch them or whip them according to the children. So he's exploiting these children. He's sexualizing these children. He's trafficking these children. He is abusing these children and he's making a mockery of these children. These are human beings, these are human beings. Now the actions of this man are not indicative of all of Chinese culture. There were a number of individuals who pushed back and said this is wrong on those Chinese social media pages. Liu was caught on hidden camera video admitting that he filmed the footage instructing the children to make the racist message but quickly recanted. Telling the journalist who was undercover to delete the message. Don't let black people see this, Lou said, too damn late. Greeting videos featuring Africans are popular on social media among people in China. According to the documentary, the video sells for between 10 to $70. The IQ video was posted on social media page called Jokes About Black People Club in February 2020. It was met with mixed reviews, but some were outraged and demanded that it be removed. Parents of some of the children in the video said they were not aware 
of what the Chinese man was actually up to. So following the BBC Africa report, Lou was charged with five, count them, five counts of child trafficking on July 18 in a magistrate court. And the Malawi police service said authorities captured him in Zambia. Last month, extradited him. That's how you handle this, okay? This is all thanks to these very courageous individuals. The incredible investigative reporting of Runako Selena and Henry Mongo. Their full documentary entitled Racism for Sale can be found on the BBC's Africa's YouTube page. I give those investigative journalists and heroes a round of applause. All right, we have to continue to be vigilant against exploitation of young people as well as racism as it permeates throughout global context. It is our job, our duty to say no and to raise the question and provide accountability. Jackson, thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, this guy was just an evil man through and through. I mean, because there was absolutely uh, no logical reason for him to be doing what he's doing other than just to hurt and exploit people. That's all he was doing because he's sadistic. But also, what a loser. I mean, like seriously, just like what 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 a low life, just scum loser who luckily uh, got charged. And so, you know. Let him spend the rest of his time in jail for however long he's going to be in there. That's but right. it's definitely good that people are going to know him for what type of monster he is. There you go. All right. As always, dear brother, thank you. Always a pleasure having you on Indisputable. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Oh, yeah. Always great to be here. You can check me out on Rebel HQ, drop videos Monday through Friday. And you can catch me you know, on the watch list here on Indisputable. On the main channel, you know, just stick and stay like Dr. Richie always says. That's right, my dear brother. Thank you so much. Remember, uh, Twitchuation Room is next. Uh, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop. And you won't stop either.